Welcome everybody to Abundant Life Chapel online. We're so glad that you could join us today. If you'd like to know more information about us, you can check us out on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And any other contact information that you need can be found on our website. Special thanks to those who have been supporting us financially. You can continue to do so by downloading the app Tithely and also through our website. I hope today's message will inspire you and build your faith. Welcome everybody. I'm glad that you could join us today online. Today I'd like to talk to you about hope. And hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Uh, for many of us right now, I think we're all hoping that the COVID-19 will begin to reside and uh, that our medical professionals and our scientists will be able to come up with some sort of vaccine that will put this thing to rest. And, and many of us right now, maybe we're fighting the emotions of hopelessness uh, because the whole social dis distancing is, is starting to take its toll on us. Dr. Dale uh, Archer said, hope is often the only thing between man and the abyss. As long as a patient or individual uh, or victim uh, has hope, they never or they can recover from anything and everything. In the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in His uh, faithfulness. In Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one, it says, "Now faith is confidence." in what we hope for, and assurance in what we do not see. We often think of the word hope in the terms of uncertain desires, like, I sure hope it doesn't snow again. But those who follow Jesus, hope is a desire based on assurance. And, and that assurance is based on God's character. And, and if we were to read on in Hebrews chapter 11, we would see a God's faithfulness to all of those who put their hope and their trust in him throughout the ages. What do you need hope for today? Good health? Financial stability? Safety for your family? Do, do you hope to, to maybe win the lottery? Uh, how about your marriage? Do you need some hope there? Your relationships, maybe with a significant other or maybe with your children or a family member or a friend? Do they need hope right now? Maybe, maybe you're hoping for just one day where your children won't fight. How many parents are saying that? Say, give me a hand up there, right? I think all of us right now are hoping this whole social distancing will come to an end sooner rather than later. Sometimes hope comes from unexpected places or unexpected people. Like the story I want to share with you that's in the Bible, uh, and it's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. And uh, in your Bibles, if you've got them with you today, open them up to 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, my page number here, if you're looking, is on page 348, but you'll find it in the Old Testament section of your Bible. And this is what it says, chapter 5 of 2 Kings verse 1. It says, now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a, a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. He had leprosy. So right away out of the gate, we're introduced to this man named Naaman. And he was a commander of, the, of a great army in Aram. And Aram back 
back then is now present day Syria. And, and, and it sounds like the, that Aram was very successful. He was a powerful man, a man of great authority and, uh, and, and great success. And, uh, and his king, Ben-Hadad II, held him in high regard because uh, Naaman was the commander of the army. That meant that he was like the number two guy in all of Aram. But his prestige, his accomplishments, wealth, power, and authority could not save him from the enemy that plagued within him, in his body, the, the, the enemy of leprosy. See, leprosy sealed his fate, and death would be inevitable. In verse 2, it says here, it says, Now bands of raiders from Aram uh, had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. Now, what I find interesting in this verse is Aram and Israel are sworn enemies of one another. And, and yet the Lord God made Naaman, an enemy of Israel, the king of, or the commander of Aram's army, a victorious leader. God did this. And, and here he, we, we read that he's taken a young Israeli girl into captivity and made her his slave. Now, it doesn't quite make sense here. We're kind of wondering, how is this all going to play out? Why would God allow such a thing to happen in this young girl's life? But maybe, just maybe, there is a bigger picture here. Maybe, just maybe, God is going to use this young girl. Let's find out. In verse 3, it says this, she said to her mistress, now this is the young Israeli girl, she says to her mistress, Naaman's wife, uh, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. His leprosy, well, why does this young Israeli girl who's, who's a servant to Naaman's wife, why does she care so much about his health? Why? We, we don't know much about this young girl or her family. Um, we don't even know what happened to her family. Uh, it could be in the raid that maybe her family was killed or also taken into slavery. We're not sure. All we know is that she is a servant to Naaman's wife. And, uh, and, and maybe the reason why she had such compassion over her master is maybe because maybe Naaman's uh, family treated her fairly and treated her appropriately. We, we don't know for sure, but there's, there's not much background given on this young servant girl. We don't even know her name. Her name isn't even mentioned here. What we do know is that she has compassion for her master. She believed that with everything in her heart, everything in her being, that the prophet in Samaria, which is located in uh, Israel, could heal her master. God, see, God can leverage a crisis uh, in our life uh, to wake us up. He can, he can leverage a crisis and, and to give us a new perspective, to help us to see what really matters. Uh, Naaman trusted in his own ability, abilities, depending on his own power to get him through difficult situations. But when leprosy plagued his body, well, no longer could he depend on what he knew. And desperate times call for desperate measures. And, and Naaman's situation caused him to be desperate. It caused him to go against the grain of his own belief system. Like who in their right mind would look to their enemy for help? But in a crisis, we will do anything and everything for a solution. 
in verses 4 and 5, it says, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl uh, from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram said, uh, replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. Now imagine, imagine that Naaman in this situation was a bit conflicted. He was conflicted even going to his king and asking for such a request and making such a request. I, 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 wonder, uh, I wonder in this situation if, if he was just that desperate. I, I think he was. Um, he would have needed his, his, uh, the approval from his king to even enter into enemy to, uh, territory. And, and to do that otherwise, to go in incognito kind of uh, on a secret quest, would, would cause even more tension between these two uh, nations that were at war with one another. Maybe in his mind, going before his king was maybe a bit of a fleece, you know. Uh, well, I'll test this. I'll test this to see if this is really the right way to go. And, and it, you know, it's a crazy idea. Maybe, maybe, maybe my king will say, forget it altogether and say no. And, and then I can leave in peace knowing that, okay, well, I've done my part. But imagine his surprise. Imagine his surprise when his king says, yes, and, and, and out of the treasury, here, take all of this. You're that valuable to me. Now, let me give you some perspective of all the riches that Naaman took with him to Israel. All right, so 10 talents of silver is equal to 750 pounds. 750 pounds. Now, sterling silver currently goes for about $21.29 per ounce in Canada. All right, according to the Canadian dollar, which translates into $215,400. That's how much silver he was carrying on him. That's just the silver. He took with him 6,000 uh, 6, shekels of gold. And that equals 150 pounds. How many of you guys would like 150 pounds of gold right now? That would be pretty awesome, right? I just, just for, for fun, I, I looked at what 24 karat gold was worth on the market. It's worth $2,358.36 per ounce, per ounce, which translates into this, $5,154,000. That's what he was carrying with him. Right, he was carrying all these rituals, and that's 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 even uh, that's not even uh, to account for the the expensive clothing that he took as well. So I think what 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 we get from this is that it speaks volumes of how much King Adad uh, uh, valued his right hand guy, how much he valued him, and I think this speaks clearly how health trumps wealth. It, health trumps wealth here. A person can possess all the riches in the world. But his health, when it is threatened, riches are worthless. Riches are worthless. So Naaman travels to Israel uh, in hopes to buy a cure. In, uh, in verses uh, 5 and 6, it goes on in our story. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read uh, the letter. He tore his robes and said, am I God? Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? 
see how the uh, or how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. The king, uh, the king, right? King uh, Joram, Joram of Israel, the king of Israel. No pressure, dude. No pressure at all. No pressure. Just, just heal my servant, my my commander, and all will be well. <laughs> The king of Israel, uh, Joram, uh, uh, he was put in such a unique situation. He had an opportunity here to honor God by bringing peace to Israel and Aram. He had this honor and this opportunity, but his interests, he was only caught up with himself. He was only worried about himself uh, and, and his political power. He was only worried about his agendas, and he had little regard for anything spiritual, anything regarding God at all. So. And so when it came to a prophet, who cares about prophets? They, they don't serve any political leverage for me, so why would I have anything to do with a prophet? That was his thinking. To King uh, Joram, uh, this letter was only meant to pick a fight. This was only meant to escalate the situation from what it was already. The king uh, was only looking to his own abilities instead of God's possibilities. In verses 8 and 9, it goes on, uh, when Elisha, the man of, uh, met, or sorry, when Elisha, the man of God, heard uh, that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come here to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. And in verse 9, it says, so Naaman went to, uh, with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Now, uh, Elisha had, let's think about this. Elisha must have had this amazing intel of what was going on in, his, in, his, in the king's palace. You see, when we're in tune with God and we're walking obediently and, uh, to his plan, uh, God includes us in bringing a solution to a crisis, right? And, and listen, how many, I think, out there are in crisis at this time? And I believe with all my heart that God is calling us to be a solution to those that are in crisis. All he's looking for is people who are willing, regardless of their abilities. He's more concerned about their availability. And Elisha sends word to King Jerab, and, and he, who is now in crisis, and he says, send him on to me. Send him on to me. In, in verses 10 to 11, it says, Elisha sent a messenger to him, uh, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. And uh, verse 11, it says, But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come up to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? Couldn't I wa have washed in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. See, God's ways are different from our ways. And Naaman was figuring this out for the first time. Right out of the gate, he was, he was fully, uh, heavily, uh, uh, in this, and, and, and now he's finding out God's ways are not his ways. And, and really, are we really so different? Are we really so different? How many times 
have we wanted this whole social distancing thing to be over and done with so we can go back to our normal pace of life again? But is that really what God wants? Does God really want us to go back uh, to uh, our old way of doing things? Uh, you know, does he really want us to go back to being and doing what we did before? Or do you think that he desires more for us? Do you think he desires something else for us? Maybe, just maybe, God wants to do something incredible in each and every one of us, right here, right now, while we're all in self-isolation. Personally, I think it would be a tragedy in, if our lives weren't greatly affected by this. And, and that, after, that after the dust settles, that we become different and we become better versions of ourselves. God is up to something. And, and if you're willing to seek it out and, and, and submit to his plan, he'll reveal it to you. He'll reveal it. Now, Naaman's upset. Right? And, and how many of us, God never moved in the way that we thought he would, and, and we're kind of upset by it, we're kind of jaded by it, but he had it sorted out in his mind how it was going to go down. He, 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 you see, he's a military commander, right? And, and he's a strategist. His job is to strategize uh, a, a perfect war plan and then execute it precisely. Uh, he had it set in his mind that the prophet uh, would just come down and say this magnificent prayer and maybe lay hands on him or anoint him with oil or or whatever, and then he would be miraculously healed. That's how he had it in his mind. And you see, his mind is, is set on logic. And God is not confined uh, to human logic. You see, God stands out outside the limits of those parameters. And I think more than anything, Naaman's pride had been hurt. His pride had been hurt. I mean, after all, he goes to see this prophet, and this prophet has nothing to do with him. In fact, the prophet just sends him uh, uh, his messenger, his servant. And now Naaman's ready. He's, he's done. He is so done. He, he's, he's traveled a long journey, went to one person, and, and to the king, and the king couldn't help him out. Now he's at Elisha, and now he's just, it just seems like rejection after rejection after rejection. And he's ready. Forget it. Forget it. Well, verse 13. It says this, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. That of a young boy. I love it here in this story that Naaman received counsel from his servants. He humbled himself at that moment to listen to the humble. And when we see that his servants are genuinely concerned about his well-being, he, he sees that too. He gets that. I want to just speak here into you for a moment. Never underestimate what God can do through you. Okay? Never underestimate. God works in his power through the humble. Through the humble. And, and he, he works through these lowly servants, right? He used Elisha's messenger and Naaman's servants. Sometimes we think that we're not good enough or we're not qualified enough or, or who am I to do of anything of any significance for God? But the 
truth of the matter is, is God uses the unlikely, the unexpected, the unqualified to work his miracles, to work his miracles. The story, this story is not about some war hero or some highly esteemed man of God, but about the faithfulness of servants, the faithfulness of servants that are willing to step out and step up. If it weren't because of Naaman's servant girl speaking out and speaking up, he would have never arrived at Elisha's door. Would have never arrived there. And, and, and if it weren't for Naaman's servants kind of talking to him as he's, as he's frustrated and heated and, 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 and just ready to, give, uh, ready to give up, Naaman would have missed out on being healed. God is up to something, and he's using the unexpected to bring hope. He's using the unexpected to bring hope. Here's something really interesting. I want you to pay attention to this in, in verse 15 to, to 17. It says this, Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. I mean, Naaman could have easily just taken off, right? Woo, I got my healing. Good. All right. Out of here. Naaman goes back. And I believe that this says something about Naaman. Naaman has integrity, right? And, and he stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Even though Naaman urged him, he refused. This man of God refused. And I believe that God had instructed Elisha not to receive this gift. Why? Because then it would look like he bought his gift. And I think that's something key here is that when God gives a gift, it's free. It's free. When he gave us the gift of Jesus, of, of eternal life through Jesus Christ, it was free. We didn't pay for it. He paid for it. And then Naaman says this, and I, I love this. He says, if you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant. See what's happened here? He's a servant to the servant of God. Naaman has completely stripped himself of his title. Completely stripped himself of his title. Now he serves the servant of God. And he says this, your servant be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. See, God wants to do in us far more than whatever silver or gold could, have, could offer. And God's not interested in the silver, our silver or gold. He desires us and us alone. That, and that, I think, really should bring comfort to us. Because there's nothing that we could ever offer God that would ever be enough, except offering ourselves. And everything God has done, creating the world, creating us, and sending Jesus to, to save us from our sin, was all because he desired us. He loves us that much. He loves us that much, and that's good news. Naaman learned firsthand that God cannot be bought. God cannot be bought. And he learned that obedience, even when it doesn't logically make sense, 
right? Bathing in a dirty river. If you've ever seen the Jordan, it's a dirty looking river, right? It didn't make sense. But that's, but what matters most is obedience. You say, okay, God, is that what you say? I'll do it. I'll do it. He learned that there's no other God in comparison to the one true God. And now Naaman was going back to his homeland, a changed man. A changed man, miraculously healed, but from the inside out. From the inside out, all because a servant girl planted a seed of hope in his life. Before we conclude our time together, I want to I show you something in, uh, in the book of Luke. Um, in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 27, Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth, and he's speaking to the people there. And, and I wanted to point this out because he says this in verse 27. He says, And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Though many in Israel had leprosy during Elisha's time, it was only Naaman that was healed. It was only Naaman, a, form, a foreigner from uh, Syria. Uh, he worshipped another god and, and before submitting to the god of all gods, the one true God. And, and many missed out in Israel from being healed because they would not put their faith and trust in God. What a tragedy. What a tragedy that they missed out. Where do you need hope today? Uh, what crisis are you going through today? Maybe it's a financial crisis or a health crisis or a relational crisis, a, a marital crisis, a, a legal crisis, an employment crisis, a, an addiction crisis. I want to tell you today that there's hope, that there's hope. It can't be purchased. It can't be achieved by good deeds, right? Hope is not a something. Hope is a someone. Hope is a someone. And his name is Jesus Christ. And if you're willing to seek him, submit to him, and, and trust him, he's willing to receive you just the way you are. And alone, he is the one that can do the amazing work within you. Maybe today you're wondering how you can bring hope to someone around you. Hope can, uh, can be brought in, in the, doing the littlest of things. You know, all of us have the capacity of being a hope bringer to somebody. In Naaman's story, hope was brought through a young servant girl who was captive and was a slave. All because she had a heart of compassion. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to find Naaman, a Naaman in your community, a Naaman around you, and lead them to the hope that can only be found. In Jesus Christ and don't let social distancing or the self-isolation be any uh, blocker for you think of creative ways on how to bring hope to people's lives maybe it's just a smile maybe it's a wave you know maybe it's doing a task for somebody who knows but this week I challenge you find ways to be hope bringers to those around you let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today. I thank you for your word. And I thank you through your son, Jesus Christ, we can have hope. So Lord, I pray that you would guide us, that you would lead us. And that Lord God, that we would know that in this time of crisis, there is hope. 
because of your son Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again from the grave, Lord, we can live victorious lives. We can. So, Father, be with us during this time. Help us to be an encouragement and, and uh, planters of hope in other people's lives. We give this to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place, same YouTube channel.